the thing about entrepreneurship is really how do you improve yourself? How do you improve the thing that you've just made? And to think that, nope, this is just going to be perfect. It is just, it's the market's fault. They're just not ready for it. Well, it requires a re-examination of what it is that you're doing and why you're doing. This is Pretty Cor, and you're listening to Millennials Bully, the show which is all about millennials. Listeners, welcome to this week's episode of Millennials Bully. Our topic for this week is Millennials Bully, be entrepreneurial. Joining us to discuss this topic is the exceptional radio personality, Ezra Zayed. Ezra is the host and creator of the podcast, The Ezra Zayed Project. Welcome, Ezra. How are you today? I'm doing good, Pretty. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having uh, me on. I appreciate it. Yes, it's really exciting to have you on uh, because, you know, I think something that I should share is um, I was a, you know, sort of um, real fan of yours, um, you know, since your BFM days and then now with the with the podcast. So it's it's almost like a surreal moment. Uh, yeah, well, I, it, and it's also nice to uh, hear that you've you started this thing and uh, it, it's, it's, it's quite scary and exciting to be building something from scratch. So I completely know where you're coming from and uh, happy to be here and, and talk to you on your podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. It's a, it's a very exciting journey, and I um and it's nice to have someone else to you know support it. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, um, right. So I think we'll go in straight into uh, the questions. Um, so we've got uh, quite a few, but I think it'll be quite an interesting um episode having you on and with your perspective. Um, so I'll start off with the first question. Um, so the premise of this episode, as we know, is entrepreneurship. So Ezra, to start us off, um, could you give us some background on your experience uh, with entrepreneurship? Right, um, it's 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 been a uh, it's been an interesting one and, and a rocky and exciting one because I've um, I, I graduated in university um, about two thousand and six, and you know I, I did I was working in Canada for a bit, and then finally when I returned back home you know, due to family considerations and just coming back home. Um, there was a lot of discussion within my family. Oh, what are we going to do? You know, help out with the family business and such. Uh, and at the time, at the beginning of my entrepreneurship journey was um, basically supporting my father's um, dreams of, you know, publishing books. And I didn't sort of quite oppose it or, and I, I, I enjoyed books. So I thought, okay, I think I can learn something from here. So, um, I, I began by publishing books and, and, and at the time I knew only as much as anybody else did, which was, you know, you go to a bookstore, there are books on the shelves, but I didn't know how books got there. I didn't know the distribution that was required. I didn't know the, publishing um, options that you had to read so many manuscripts. I didn't know that there was an editing process. I didn't know that you had to go through all of these different things. And in doing that, I ended up doing it for uh, sort of quite seriously for about five to six years. But at the same time, I also noticed that, you know, at the time digital media was just about to kick in, um, in, in sort of a real meaningful way with, with YouTube and everything else. So suddenly, you know, three and a four years into my publishing journey where we were publishing, I think probably a book uh, a month, which meant, you know, it's constantly sort of looking at uh, what is the next title? What is the next title? And then at the same time um, I began doing a YouTube show. And this was at a time when 
uh, the, the internet connectivity wasn't terrific in the country. And as a result, um, we had to build our own players. YouTube wasn't steady enough. And so we made videos every week and we started just doing things on that journey. And over time, that little endeavor of making a video every weekend suddenly became something that we could get paid for. And we got paid for that and suddenly we built a company and then suddenly we, we, we started hiring people because we needed more people to do it and more efficiently. Yeah. And, and, and then this is a little bit of sort of a compression, but because of that YouTube show and because of that company and, and having, uh, making videos for clients and, and, and different brands, somehow it got my foot into the door at, at BFM because they needed presenters and I, maybe they needed another spectacle fella just talking to a mic microphone, who knows? But they offered me uh, a chance at the microphone. Um, one month went on and they weren't kicking me out of the studio. Two months went on and then I go, oh, okay, maybe, maybe they don't know any better. <laughs> and so then um, nine years on, I, I, th that was uh, the extent of, of um, being at BFM. But my entrepreneurship journey in that sense was, was really quite um, limited to the publishing and the creating of content uh, from whether it was books or whether it was making videos. And, and it, it, was, it was fascinating because we started off in, in almost like a, a, a small bedroom of, of, of sorts, um, you know, in, in a friend's house. Mm -hmm. And it ended up, um, you know, uh, an office in Manarabata where you had maybe staff of 20 people. And it, it, it got uh, big in a very uh, fast, in a very exciting way. But you were also, there were a lot of mistakes and, 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 and uh, a lot of failures that you had to learn from very, very quickly because mm. you were always trying to, I guess, chase the next thing. And you're trying to do so many things at so many, uh, at such different levels of speed that we weren't, as focused as to who we were and what we were. We were trying to accommodate and be everything to uh, every client. We were trying to be a distribution channel. We were trying to be a content create uh, a content creation company. We were trying to be copywriters. We were trying to be everything to, to, to what yeah. the market wanted. And I think uh, in some ways uh, that experience um, uh, gave me a lot of positive things in that um, I got to know so many people within the industry and create all of these networks and relationships in which I still uh, employ and have today that I still have collaborators that I work with today. But when I think back about that, um, it, it, it was just um, almost a rush of trying to uh, create something, get paid, make sure your staff gets paid. Mm. And it was much too, there was, so much chutzpah, but 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 not enough focus to to yeah. really sort of have a sense of what that was. And I think now, scaling things down, having left a salaried company and doing this uh, podcast, the Azizite Project, I'm trying to sort of scale down what it is exactly that I'm trying to offer. Because being an entrepreneur for, for you know that's the buzzword for the past ten years. I've been hearing it in my head for for, for too long. Being an entrepreneur <clears throat> essentially means you know creating something of value and that you can earn something from it while you're asleep you know in comparison to when you're a freelancer you you work when you're awake and that's what you get paid for very much but your entrepreneurship is about creating something of value and putting it out there in the world and you getting paid even though you're, you're not sort of functioning when when you're asleep so to speak so so in that sense it's it's been trying to sort of make sense of 
um, a, a lot of those lessons learned through that that period and being involved in management in my my most recent job at BFM was also another lesson of that. So it, it went through this entire thing of what is it that I can do? What is it? What are the skills that I have that I can offer? What can I what can I make? Does it have value in the market? Um, and can I scale that? And it was it, it was a wonderful journey, and I'm still going through that journey. But um, it's it's um, it's something now more. So I I never thought that I would be mm-hmm. uh, an entrepreneur. I mean, you know, I I graduated with an arts degree and was was very uncertain it was very quite clear that the, the value of the degree didn't really translate to a job in the market i knew that even when i was about to graduate because i could you could see almost the market not really reflecting any of those those aspects to it so so would you so i guess from from what you've um, told me it was sort of accidental that you went into entrepreneurship it was through your sort of um um, through sort of the experiences that you were um, having and, and the content that you were creating that you find uh, that you found out that, you know, this could actually be a way to earn, um, you know, an income as well. So I guess in a sense, it was, you know, it's, it's quite um, like with entrepreneurs, you know, when we talk about content creators um, and, you know, uh, people who, you know, produce um, content in a digital form, it's, it's quite a modern form of um, entrepreneurship, isn't it? So yeah, it's quite interesting um, to hear that part of your story. It, 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 it's, it was completely uh, accidental. And of course, it, it, in some ways, it's also very, it's, it was also very strange because, you know, you want to tell your, your immediate family that this is what I do. And for the longest time when I had this digital content company, yeah. they weren't quite sure exactly. So what is it that you, because they didn't have anything tangible. When I was a publisher, it was easier almost mm-hmm. that I, I publish books and I sell them at the store. Yeah. But once things went digital, it was almost, um, well, then you weren't, the people around you couldn't give you support because they didn't quite understand it, so to speak. And then you felt that, well, but this is where the market and the industry is going and this is how people are consuming mm-hmm. things. So you want to be part of that train. And, um, you know, there's there's this book, um, I think it's called Crossing the Chasm, where, you know, you have early adopters and it's t- there's a dip before the, like, the mainstream actually takes on. And, and sometimes people who make stuff and they're just t- so early in the game where people go, oh, that's nice and cute. But if you wait a little bit more, five, six years later on, yeah. it finally hits the mainstream. But by yeah. then, you might not have actually lasted long enough mm. to, to actually be able to capture the, the wave that, that, that you will finally do. Yeah. And I, you know, I started making online videos in 2010, right? We're in 2021, and kids in primary school are making videos of their phones. Yeah. Now, had I continued on, making videos i always wonder oh man it had had i just held on mm-hmm. for that video because i was making it for about five six years consistently and mm-hmm. um but in, in the end you you needed to sort of respond to where your interests were and at that point in time making videos remarkably um it, I, I i i didn't find any more passion in doing so mm-hmm. and that's where turning to the microphone into radio, into a faceless version of content uh, became something. And, and, and of course now it's this space where everything is, it's, it's, everything's open now, right? Video, audio, text, whatever people want, people get. So uh, I think it's just trying to find um, that, that convergence as to 
what is it that I would actually like to do? Hopefully the market can meet me somewhere in the middle where they can value it. And then if someone can, if, if you can get paid for it, even better. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that that's the gold standard, isn't it? Like you, you go through that process. It's, it's, um, it's a passion, I guess. You know, I think a lot of these projects, um, you know, like podcasting and, um, and, you know, even creating content, I would like to think that it comes from an interest that a person has, you know, wanting to produce and um, to share content that they value and that they hope other people will value. And in that process, you know, if, you know, if revenue comes from that, um, yeah. you know, that that's like a, a big plus, a big bonus, I think, in all of these projects. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's very interesting. So um, if we were just to look back at, um, you know, the, the stint where <clears throat> we were making, so it, it started off with, um, I had, it was a show called That Epic Show. And kids have to YouTube this show because it was so long ago. But <clears throat> that that show uh, that we made, it was political satire, had a little bit of comedy and and it traveled. I, I knew that it traveled because uh, I noticed that uh, people say, hey, are you that guy on YouTube? And so and so. And what happened thereafter was that the show in itself didn't actually, <clears throat> it generated a lot of value and, and buzz, but nobody was actually willing to pay for it. But what happened was that we created products other types of content products that were not related and so it ended up being that that epic show was the calling card uh, that became this opportunity for us to make different things for different brands and it was it was this very interesting thing where oh i can i can do a little bit of both and so suddenly you you scale it to having do, doing two videos a week and suddenly it's three videos a week for three different verticals and so one is for um you know a product that talks about the community one talks about uh, making videos for you know it, it was all sorts of different things and then you you realize okay so there's you but then you needed to figure out what exactly it is that you value and and mm-hmm. i think trying to um make sure that it became sustainable was 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 a key thing except that Sustainability is 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 something <clears throat> that requires some foresight and strategy because it ended up being there was there was there was too much um, excitement and and you, you're young you work day and night and there was a lack of focus in some sense. Right. Yeah, that's interesting because I um, yeah I think it's really interesting to see how um, the market has changed and I think you know the way that entrepreneurs have have sort of found an avenue um, you know to make content and to produce it and to make revenue from it has also sort of shifted in a lot of ways so would you say Ezra that um, that maybe entrepreneurship is a natural path for millennials do you think we will inevitably um, sort of become entrepreneurs in one way or another I never thought to say it but yeah Mm, Uh, and 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 i say this i say this because i think uh, i guess you know i'm a millennial i'm I'm one of those like early millennials and and you know you had you had a peak at i guess before us was gen x i guess right yeah you had a peak really at that generation where where people who found jobs in companies who would stay there for 20 30 years that was still within my rear view in that everybody I knew were working in companies. And I, for, for much of my maybe early adult life, I was convinced that that was going to be my, like I just needed to find a company in space that would, 
with, with Jaime and that was where I would be. I, I had no idea that my career path would be doing so many different things all at the same time, all, all rewarding, all getting paid. But I didn't know that that was going to be the deal. I didn't know that that was something that <clears throat> was, was going to happen because it was in complete contrast to, you know, my mom worked at ICI <clears throat> and she got paid, you know, at the end of the month. And, you know, my, my auntie worked at this company for mm -hmm. X amount of years. So uh, in that sense now um, with, with all sorts of considerations with rising costs and, and, and trying to make sure that you have enough for retirement, mm -hmm. it is almost uh, impossible not to have multiple things going on at the same time. Yeah. So <clears throat> now I can I can see you quite comfortably. The things that I was doing, uh, you know, three, four, or five things at the same time. I realized that that has given me the stamina and the grit to figure out. Okay, this is what I need now to do. It is, I must say, quite daunting for a young person to go through. Yeah, uh, it's it's daunting because um, it feels like a, you're 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 a hamster on a cycle that 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 doesn't have. Um, an endpoint, and and I think that's where I am at this stage right now, where I'm trying to sort of slow things down and actually build something of of real value for myself and and the mm -hmm. market, so that you you can sort of do it at a sort of a better pace, a, a pace where there is some work life balance, yeah. and it is it is it is very challenging, especially if you live in Kuala Lumpur, it, it, in every income bracket that you belong to some challenges are harder than others yeah. but uh, this is a tough city to live in in that sense um yeah. with, with with everything that you, you know we're we're a community that supports our family and our friends and we don't live in isolation and yeah. and as a result um there there's all sorts of backups to backups that that one needs to do so it is not surprising that somebody is uh, doing social media content and selling cookies at the same time, yeah. but I think I think to the question of of whether millennials are sort of suited to this, I think so even more so because because the, the, this this phone has given us yeah. so much opportunity and bandwidth. Yeah. Now it's actually just a case of trying to figure out what do we do what do you want to do about it and it, it and, and because there's so much noise going out there in terms of of what one can do people people are making money in all sorts of different ways um having explained to a relative what an nft is 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 gonna is is a nightmare as, as you can get but th these these are, these are some of the things where the conversations about how somebody can earn something the the technology that that's taking place right now it's yeah. it's at a frightening speed but it's also yeah. got so much opportunity to it as well yeah I think it's that accessibility that we have um, don't we as millennials and I you know I guess we're termed as the digital um, sort of natives in a sense um, but I think um, in a way we have that power of of knowing what to do with um, a piece of technology and, I've, and we're constantly discovering as well but um, we have that accessibility and I think we're finding ways, um, you know, to, to make something out of that knowledge that we have with technology. And I think that's, you know, where entrepreneurship could be, um, you know, that, that sort of extra option that we have. Um, and, and I think that discussion that we're having, um, would you like to say something to that, 
No, yeah, I, I think the technology is, is very, very exciting. And I think one of the things that um, I, 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 I sort of sort of come around to is, 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 is actually, um, so I have a conversation with a friend of mine, um, you know, and we talk about sort of um, entrepreneurship and business all the time, right? And a lot of what I do, for example, is is based on creativity and whatever type of artistry that one can offer on the table. And it's really quite funny finding that sort of middle point. Um, and because I, when I was younger, I think it was a lot of, well, this is what I've made. And if you don't like it, so be it. And having to negotiate that and having different experiences about how to negotiate one's you know, expression of voice or value and effort. It's kind of like making a cake, right? You think that that is the best cake that you've ever made, but the market wants it slightly different. And are you, and, and, and a lot of it has got to do with your ego as well and, and trying to make sure that you can find that sort of center. And I think it's really interesting that I have a greater capacity now to actually listen to what the market wants and rather than just stick to the ways in which I was doing it in my mid twenties, which was, I'll publish any book I want. I'll make any video I want and the market will love it. And it doesn't work like that, right? It works when you meet, it, it's, it's, I think Aristotle's golden mean. It's, it's all about things in a sense that seem to have greater resonance and having an acceptance to say, oh, maybe that's one way to do it. And changing that perspective has been a huge learning curve for me because um, you can get very sort of stuck in your ways about what how something should be and I think that in a way that comes from um I guess the autonomy that we have when we're creators isn't that because we're we're sort of um deciding the kind of content that we're sort of you know producing we we come up with the plan and and the ideas so we do have a kind of um you know we want to sort of keep it in a certain way because you know that's uh, it's almost like a purity to yeah it's yeah you know it's 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 our thing and so we want to we want to keep the integrity that, yeah. that we, you know, that we, we have sort of created from it. So, yeah, I think it's really interesting what you say, because it is a two-way thing in the end, isn't it? When you, especially when it gets to the market and if you, if you want to make, um, you know, revenue from it, it has to, you know, there will be another party that comes into that as well. Well, and, and so, you know, the, the revenues thing is, is, is important because it keeps the lights on. But the point that I, I think I was also trying to make was, is that if, if, if you're a creative person and, and, and you make things and you're, you're proud of them, every right you, you should be, um, the thing that you're always dealing with is relevance, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody says that they're, you know, they're, they're proud of what they, they've made, but there's a difference between 50 people liking it and 50,000 people liking it. Yeah. And if you're going to tell me that, you know, you're, oh, you know, 50,000, you know, I, well, let me tell you, when that number moves to half a million people who like it, so, suddenly you're going, okay, maybe I well, what is it that I just did? Sometimes when you have a success, a moment of success. So sometimes I've always looked at books that I've published and that have done well. And I'm going, why did that one do well? I didn't think that was going to do well. Or why did that video hit 200,000 views, but that one hit 50,000 views? And like, you, 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 you've put in the same sort of structure and effort. And sometimes having sort of that macro perspective and, you know, a slice of humble pie saying, okay, maybe that there are indicators and there are data points that indicate this is what resonates. And at least just sort of writing it down and knowing what exactly those things are is terribly important because 
you know, I mean, this is my view, but the brain is, is such a horrible recall device. Like, you know, if, if, if you write a song and you have a great melody and you don't record it, like you're never ever going to get the melody back because mm. it's gone. Yeah. It's and it, something about like, you know, I can't remember what the quote was, but, you know, something with the pen is, is you know, better than than not having written anything at all. Right. In terms yeah, yeah, of recalling yeah. something and having that macro perspective is is terribly important because you need to be able to analyze, look at your work, have feedback that's actually effective. And essentially, the, the, the thing about entrepreneurship is really, how do you improve yourself? How do you improve the thing that you've just made? Yeah. And to think that, no, this is just going to be perfect. It is just, it's the market's fault. They're just not ready for it. Well, the, 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 I think then it requires a re-examination of what it is that you're doing and why you're doing. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, no, I think, um, I think that is kind of a, a perspective to have as a millennial, because I think, um, just going back slightly, I think as millennials, we can be quite, you know, sort of hard-headed with, with what we're, um, you know, sort of producing. And I think it, it's important for us to realize as well that, you know, there is, there is an end user and there is someone that's in the middle in that process. And, you know, that, that person in the middle can actually have a great impact on, on you know, the end user. So, yeah, um, I would, you know, just would, I would just like to sort of um, talk a little bit about um, entrepreneurship and the kind of entrepreneurship that we have amongst um, millennials. So um, some example of, um, you know, some of the examples that we have of millennial entrepreneurship, um, you know, which seems to be on the rise, um, you know, they include startups, you know, we talk about side hustles. Um, so what does this tell us about the business goal for millennials? Um, are millennials interested in creative ventures or do you think there's a different drive that comes into play? I, I, I would hazard a guess that I, I think it's, it's, it's a combination of, of, of those things you mentioned, but, but I think it's the, it's the thing that we spoke about earlier, but how accessibility and opportunity now is, is really, it's, it, 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 that in itself is so exciting. Mm. And when you add onto the thing of applying the thing that you actually like doing, I mean, for example, just, and, and I, I, don't, I don't go to the gym very often and stuff, but I have many friends who are working in the fitness industry. The fitness industry in the past five, six years is, is such an interesting indicator yeah. about how someone can do what they want with passion, with a phone, create content, suddenly become an instructor. And, 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 and you, you, you immediately can sort of like elevate yourself. To, and so many people are doing that. And that's just in one industry. Of course, we've seen that in the F&B industry and especially with uh, the lockdown period, suddenly everybody's baking and everybody's uh, selling some sort of uh, delicious dish. And it, it, it's, it's terrific. But I think then it, there's a lot of, I think what we're also seeing with, with, with the advent of this, so there's a lot of stops and starts, which is completely part and parcel of the experience. I think a lot of people might be concerned about, as, I, as am I, a lot of people concerned about, I guess, it not ending up where they thought it would be and pivoting along the way. Because, because failure is such a, you know, whatever whatever people sort of assign meaning to that word failure um you can some people call it a hiccup you know and 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 pivoting toward to what you thought um 
it, 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 it thought it was and what it can be is probably one of the key things that I think about all the time. Mm-hmm. When, when, when I started my podcast, I, you know, I, I have a, 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 a way of thinking where it's got to be just perfect. It's got to be just perfect. And I've been doing that for a long, long time. And I've been trying to sort of like reduce those things because I, I think that, that there needs to be a little bit of give it needs to be a little mm. bit more organic about how things go. And the, the moment I uploaded my first episode um, and clicked upload, it was in that moment that I go, I don't think the next episode is ever going to be like that ever again. Cause that's mm. because suddenly you realize through the experience and the journey of it, that you can make it anything you want. And it doesn't need, I think having very specific ideas and a strategy and tactical formations about what you want to do. I think that's great. But, but if you're not living and experiencing and feeling it at the same time, I think you're missing out something sort of terribly important because then you're closing off opportunities. You're closing off collaborations that you never thought you would do. Mm. And, and as a result, um, you, you, you end up creating different products or different things of value that um, you may not have sort of initially thought of, but as a result of these sort of experiences, you can identify, oh, actually that makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you, you, you shift. Yeah. Suddenly 80-20 becomes maybe 20-20-60. And because 60 is bringing in the revenue, but I still have 40% where I can do my thing. This yeah. is like, I, I didn't plan that out. Yeah. So it's, it's, there, there's something about it, it, a lot of my process right now is literally actually examining my process. Mm. Examining process is 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 the most important thing because I think th- you you can you can do anything right now as long as you have a, com- a computer or even even a smartphone. The the services that you can offer um, with where things are. I mean. I think just this past year, just how people have worked from home, mm. I, I, it, it's just been such a remarkable yeah. notion and idea. Yeah. I mean, it's it's suffocating on 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 all sorts of levels, and it's troubling issues about mental health and all that. But but in terms of you know people still being able to make a living from their living rooms, mm. it's 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 amazing. Yeah. But. But I think that that's that's where it is. Is I think it, it's is looking and examining that process and 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 trying to yeah. improve it each time. And I think what it tells us about, I mean, whether it's millennials or humans in general, I think it tells us that you know we're quite malleable, and I think we we can adjust our process um, to fit a requirement. You know, because it, it, yeah. it became a requirement. You know, working from home, we, there, there was no other way. So, um, but it's interesting how we even went through that learning curve, it was a huge learning curve. I mean, if I were, you know, if I'm to reflect on my day job, which is um, the fact that I'm a teacher, you know, we talked about, um, you know, going into technology and bringing in technology in some way in our teaching. And then we just went full blown into yeah. online teaching. Yeah. And it was, um, it was such a huge learning curve because we, we didn't have any thing to, to sort of fall back on, right? And it was, it's a crazy thing, but it wasn't just you, right? It was the entire yeah. teaching exactly. profession yes. right across the country. You had, yeah. I, I met, I met a teacher uh, in, in, in Perlis and she was showing me the things that she was doing on her iPad and she's, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, and it was, it was just fascinating because she had been wanting this sort of digital push 
within the school forever yeah. and suddenly it just yeah. accelerated and yeah, yeah. I mean it, it, you know we're a lot, a lot of us are not even sort of naturally quite ready to to figure yeah. out what happens when quote-unquote normalcy returns yeah 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 yeah. no I think it's interesting and I think and there's also a downside to that as well you know with the you know with the positives that we went through you know we, we learned lots of things and all that but then there's also a kind of like a feedback that we got from I guess uh, it's more of um, like a reflective feedback in a sense, you know, feedback that we got from experiencing that, that, you know, some things might not just work. It just, some things just don't work online. Like, um, you know, with teaching, um, there are certain things that we cannot take away from face-to-face teaching. Yeah. And I think it's, it's like that with a lot of um, different professions that we talk about. So yeah, it's, it's interesting that we all went through that. Um, so I think it would be good to share a little bit um, of information, you know, a sort of, concerning statistic now that I would like to share, um, but I would like your opinion on it. So um, according to the uh, Department of Statistics Malaysia, um, so the unemployment rate of fresh graduates increased by 17% um, since the enforcement of the movement control order. Now this is officially speaking, um, the numbers are likely higher, Um, but we know, you know, employment has been something, unemployment really has been something that we've heard a lot, but you know, obviously, there's been a, a huge increase um, from the time of the MP, uh, MCO. So, do you think entrepreneurship could be the solution for unemployed millennials during a global pandemic? It, it certainly can, um, and I think, um, well, well, I think, I think more immediately, uh, I guess you know, other references that you made in terms of you know the gig economy and side hustles. I, I think, I think what employment has used to mean in comparison to what it means now with the advent of the gig economy, I think I'm not questioning the department of statistics, of course, yeah, but yes. I, I think it's, it's, it's a case of, I think, understanding what that actually means because, because a lot of, a lot of graduates will have different types of side hustles that will mm-hmm. sort of keep things afloat. But I think what people are really, really looking for is trying to find something to really sink their teeth in. And when mm. you talk about entrepreneurship is, is really committing yourself, you and maybe others towards something and building something that has value. And, and as a result, um, to your question, yes, it is, but there's almost not enough. Um, I mean, this is my perspective, but um, it's, it's actually understanding what it takes to be an entrepreneur or, or, or learning how, because there isn't a school for it necessarily, right? And you, you can read as many articles as you want, but it is really about throwing yourself in and, and making mistakes. You, it'd be great to have a strategy. It'd be great to have a focus group. It'd be great to do a little bit of market research. It'd be great to check with friends and family saying, what do you think about this idea? What do you think about that idea? Now, these steps... Of, of, of uh, in terms of these processes yes they're available online but there's nothing more like in terms of my perspective there's nothing better than a mentorship having a mentorship <clears throat> to essentially guide you as to how you can best do this in in the best way possible to give yourself the best chance where do people go for that and and that's 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 something that i've wondered about in a <clears throat> in a career that that you know nine years at bfm didn't mean that I figured out everything about media when I first started. I thought a bit, and just because BFM was such a 
startup radio station, there wasn't really a structure in place for me to learn from someone. I really sort of picked it up on my own. And the same way with entrepreneurship, you pick things up on your own, which is great. But I've been learning more about business management, leadership now more than ever before, because I realized that these were the things that I wanted when I started my, my journey, either as a mm. salaried employee or as an, or as an entrepreneur. Mm. Now, having gone through all those experiences and sort of pairing that with, with learnings and, and master classes and all that kind of stuff, then you start having structure and having that structure as the backbone of your journey is terribly terribly important because it allows you it, it allows a feedback loop almost like a, almost like a classroom setting yeah. to, to to figure out what it is that you can do better and what it is that you should continue on yeah. and without that structure and if you do it and that's the thing that's i mean the most amazing thing about when we hear these success stories of entrepreneurs mm. they 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 hustled and they did everything themselves but there's a backstory of a huge community around that person mm-hmm that usually has provided counsel, that has provided advice. And I think that's what entrepreneurs, uh, I think, I don't know, I don't know if the successful ones talk about the amount of people that help them get to that point because mm-hmm. it, is, it, it literally takes a community to get over the line. Even in, in doing um, the Ezra Zayt project, you, you know, it's, you know, I have, I have great interns that help me, but I have a community of friends who I check in with every week to say, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. And is this, is this any good? Should we try that? And it is, it is having those different voices, especially voices that you don't necessarily um, agree with, but you value, you value their perspective from, from where their area of expertise is. Mm. That is, that is kind of the thing that actually sort of moves the needle rather than, it kind of being a bit of a cyclical loop because there was yeah. a point I remember when I was selling books and, and, and I going, and going, I can't, I, I remember asking myself and we, we just printed another book that purportedly was going to be a bestseller or whatever and sold 5,000 copies or whatever. But there was a point where I said, I'm not sure why or who is going to buy this. And that's a scary notion. Mm-hmm. If you don't know who your audience is, if you don't know the profile uh, if you don't know the income bracket, if you don't know the the category, if you, and it, you 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 can make these sort of educated guesses and 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 see where it lies. But it, I think having some sort of structure that allows you to sort of oversee why your decision making process is the way it is helps move thing move things a lot quicker. And then you can leverage on the momentum of of motion and improvement mm-hmm. because. When you don't have that and you just have a kind of wait and see kind of um, yeah. experience, it can be quite debilitating in that sense. Yeah. And, and you're, you're hoping for success. Then, then suddenly you, it's, 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 it's just throwing things against the wall and, and yeah. trying to figure out whether that works or not. I think in, in that discussion there, you, you've actually given sort of millennials um, some important things that they have to remember um, you know, when, when starting um, or when sort of being an entrepreneur. And I think one, one of the points that, that you mentioned was that was really interesting is that um, it is an individual process. And I think in that process and going through the experiences 
on your own, you have to sort of take feedback and you have to have a community that's around with you um, to help you through that process with the feedback. Um, what other advice would you give to millennial entrepreneurs who are, you know, if we're, if we're talking about someone that's starting a business for the first time or someone that's trying maybe, you know, a, a second product now that they're trying to sell, you know, whether that product is, you know, through media or through a different form, what kind of advice would you give them? Easy. Find a mentor and ask them, what can I learn? Eat some humble pie and ask them, how did you do it? Right. It, I, 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 I've had many, many sort of different mentors in the past. Yeah. And the only regret I have is not asking them sooner. It has to do with some sort of, I don't know, when you're young, just, just not having, I don't know. It, it, it's probably a lot to do with ego and, and my therapist has been helping me out with that. But, but, but it, if, if you can find, if you can find somebody that you have a, a trust capacity with, and say, hey, could I, could I borrow an hour of your time a week? I uh, just want to run something by you. Somebody that you trust and has area of expertise in, in that particular area that you're also participating in, that counsel would accelerate your process and your learnings by so much rather than what, and of course, and it's while still giving you the opportunity to do it your own way. So it is that still part of that golden mean. Yeah. So it having 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 somebody to provide counsel and context. Friends are great, but somebody who's been there, done that, gone through the trenches, yeah. put their money on the line, went down, went up, and I think that's having somebody to speak to um, is is terribly important because. The, the journey is going to be so tumultuous. Mm. It's good. There's, there's going to be so much exciting tumbles, but there's going to be some painful ones as well. Yeah. And having support like that is terribly important because it, it cushions it to a way in which you can anticipate things better. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, I, I, I think that's probably part of the thing with, you know, you and I doing this, not face to face, but the, the distance in which we have as people right now, you know, we're, we're calling and video calling and all that. Like I, I'm, I'm still very much a, a person who wants to see you. Let's talk about it. And to, to, to generate that it, it's really hard nowadays for, for, I guess, people to do that just because technology is just sort of yeah. fast tracked it. But I think having that human relationship with someone and, and asking them what, what you can learn from them and, and it, it, it's terribly important because yeah. um, it's, we're just, you know, we're, we're, we're still, we're still, we're still people just wanting to know how, how, how do I do that? How, how can I get it better? And, and um, yeah, find a mentor. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that, Ezra. I think that was, um, that's great advice. And if, and if, you know, um, if we're talking about someone here, not, not hypothetical, but, you know, but if, if someone were to listen to your advice, um, to have a mentor, and if you look at the personalities of millennials, do you think they have what it takes to be successful entrepreneurs? Taking your advice with their personality as millennials, do they have what it takes? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, um, and I mean, it's, I think, I think, I think also just the, it's really, it's really funny because um, 
you know, I have a lot of conversations with my father about business and he's, he just turned 70, right? <clears throat> and, and I hear his ideas, right? And then you, so always there's that, that germination of the idea that sounds very good. And then suddenly we get sort of tactical about how it should be done. More often than not, that's where I tune out because the way in which the, the, the execution is, it, it was the way he formulates it was almost of his generation. But the idea I'm in agreement with, because there are different ways to sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. express that idea now because of technology and, 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 yeah. all, and all sorts of different ways. And so that's why we almost find it some agreement too. Yeah. And I think the, the digital natives in which many millennials are, are so comfortable with, it, it is a huge advantage, but it is, it is at the end of the day, a tool. Mm. It is, it is, a, it is merely a tool. What, millennials like myself and, and, and many many others what they need to do is is, is trying to figure out the, the the hard stuff which is what is of value that's that other people that i can create that other people want mm. and really taking the time to figure that out is is mm. terribly important because especially online the, the ways in which, you know, people can gravitate towards generating wealth. It, 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 it's, it's, there's a little bit of FOMO almost. Like if, mm. if, if, if you're not trading in crypto on a, on a Tuesday, or if, you, if you're not selling cakes um, at a, or, you know, on a weekend, and because everybody's, it looks like on my Instagram feed that everybody's just, you know, making money left, right, and center, yeah, which, is, yeah. it, it, which is probably the case. And you're like, well, what, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> yeah. but, but in fact, but in fact, I think the, a, lot of the, a lot of the work that, that's required is, is actually looking inward. I mean, it's actually looking inward. Do millennials have that, that capacity? Of course they do. But they will still be subject to all of the tests that have gone through previous generations, which is, yeah. which is asking yourself, where do you want to, where, what is it that you want to do? How are you going to do it? And why do you want to do it? And how will it create value for yourself and others? Yeah. And I mean, here's my thing, and I'm obviously slightly late to the game and realizing this, but but for it to sort of have value for others is usually sort of the, the thing that sort of comes to mind so that, you know, a transaction can take place so that people yeah. buy your stuff. Uh, you need to carve out a small place for yourself. I don't think millennials will have too much problem doing that, but sometimes I, I've actually sort of forgotten that. I've forgotten that you you do need to carve out a small place for the thing that you're doing just for yourself whatever that might mean in yeah. the process of doing it so if this podcast that i'm making um you know it's it's, it's got personal finance stuff it talks explosive relationships and stories about hope and optimism and all that kind of stuff um but maybe the podcast for me is like oh i get to write a theme song so that's that so writing theme song was just completely mine and mine alone and the listeners don't know it, but that's really was part of the, the biggest achievement that I've made in the past three months because that theme song was really hard to write and it was a collaboration and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. people like the, the content, right? It's, it's for them. So almost almost a one, one for them and one for you. you know, mm. that, yeah. that balance is always important. Nicely put, nicely put. That's nice. Um, um, and there's one question that I have at the end, um, Ezra, which I ask um, all my guests. And the question is, um, what is one myth about millennials that you disagree with? 
Well, can I ask a question? What are some of the myths of, of millennials that, that are, are in the mix? I'm, I'm not quite... Right. Okay. So um, in the, then, then I'll choose and, and I'll comment on. Absolutely. One. That's, that's a great way. Um, so some of the um, answers that I've gotten uh, from my previous guests, one of it was that uh, millennials are lazy. Um, that was one. And then another one was um, millennials are picky and choosy. So those were the two best ones that I got um, so far. And what would you say? Um, <laughs> wow. I, I mean, but they're myths, though, Ezra. So yeah, sure. Well, I mean, it, the, the problem with myths or stereotypes is, you know, on those two counts, I mean, I'm guilty of both. So, like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure if I'm actually going to help with this question. But, right. but to, the question, to the question about, I, I'll, I'll, I'd like to talk about picky, like millennials being, uh, let's go with that. Okay. Um, I work with a lot of young people, and I've worked with a lot of young people for a long time. Um, just, you know, um, you know, videographers and editors and storytellers ranging anywhere from 19 to 25 and I've just been interacting with them for a long time and somewhere around two years ago I, I, I've been working for 13 years and like somewhere two years like I realized that I, I had sort of been coaching a generation right and it, it's like I noticed that sort of the, the group and the profile of the, of the room changed and, and the jokes changed and I don't know if you have this as an as, as a educator as a lecturer like you literally see like a, the temperature or something changing within uh, the profile of, of, of the kids in the, in the room and um, it is not so much it's not so much picky it is just not knowing what to do with the abundance of choice Mm. and it's it, it it and it is I don't envy like I, I remember like conversations with my parents being so similar in that because of the lack of choice that they had it was almost so easy to go into whether but by the time I had graduated with the with a degree or whatever like the choice was you know you could do anything you could go and all you could but if, if if I was you know somebody coming into the job market right now mm. I have huge empathy for the uncertainty of what is it that you it's not that there's so much picky so much but there isn't really that sort of compass or I mean I don't think school necessarily and and, and even tertiary education I don't think they're preparing human beings I think you know like not going on a whole Sir Ken Robinson rant but like you know educate our education systems right now are still our response to the industrial revolution right you're, you're not really responding to the needs of what you need to make a human being from ages zero to 18 or whatever. And so they, they're, they're picky because of the abundance of choice. But, but what they also have is that they, they have, a, I think that they have, a, they can find community now. You can find community in ways in which before, because of technology, you couldn't quite find it. Maybe you could, you know, in the 90s, it was an MIRC chat room or something. You found community there. But now I think it's easier to find community, I think. And as a result, when you can find community, you can express and pick and, 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 and respond to that cycle a lot easier than it used to be. But it doesn't mean that it's in even that the abundance mm. of choices is evident. But yeah. I, and I think that's why finding a, a, a circle of sorts, friends, family, mentor, it helps you sort of reduce the noise a little bit and it allows you to sort of to test 
your finding one's voice as as a millennial is 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 a challenging um and daunting thing to do simply because um you, you know you you're told now that you know do what you want and you know have passion in what you do and do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life it it's it, it's far more complex than that unfortunately yeah. it, it's yeah. terribly more complex and and i think um but i think i think the opportunity to to connect now it, um is 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 tremendous i think the opportunity to make something and to change um and and move and improve your from your station in life is is huge as well so it's 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 exciting just terribly daunting too yeah no i think um yeah i think that nicely sums up uh what we've been discussing i think um yeah and i think millennials um they have challenges i think in 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 what you said as well with with the options and the opportunities that we have, um, you know, that could be a double-edged um, sword as well. Sometimes I think having all those options can can be a difficult thing as well. Pretty, can I ask from your conversations with you know other folks who've been talking about this? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, so millennials, what would eighty something to? So my my um, my previous uh, sort of. Um, I guess the the kind of people that I had before this were in the 90s. So they were 93 and 95. People were born in 93 and 95. So they're, they're the 90s, 90s. 90s of millennials. Right. Yeah. And and so I, I it does feel like I think at this current juncture that the, um, millennials are getting a, have gotten a grasp of things. I think that or, or are are in the process of grasping and and making it more familiar and, and comfortable i think the the other future generations <laughs> i mean yeah. I, I i always look at my nephew and niece right um um five and ten and i'm, I'm looking at them and trying to think wow the, the 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 way they're talking the way they're communicating just the processes and it's, it's just it's on fire almost right. i i I I I always wonder. I mean, I I can imagine that all of the choices that we're talking about, it's going to be nothing compared yeah. to those kids. That's and they, and they, I I don't know what advice that I would necessarily give, um, you know, to to because it's it is getting harder. It is getting harder and harder in that sense. Yeah, but I think they have what it takes. I think um, you know, teaching. Um, I think people around the age of your um, nephew and niece. I think. There's something very special about that generation, the generation to come, you know, we call them the newer generation. And I think that's one, that's one thing that's particularly unique about them. It's that um, they, they have that technology, but it goes beyond that. It's, it's knowing, you know, from the age of five, some of them, knowing how to use an iPad and knowing how to use it well. And I think yeah. that could be a really powerful thing by the time they, you know, reach you know, their twenties. And I think it will be interesting. I think it will be hugely interesting to see what they um, get up to when they reach this age. Pretty, we, we didn't speak about this offline. I hope you don't mind us talking about this so, on the podcast, but absolutely. W- what, what was the premise of you starting this podcast? So, yeah, I think, um, well, the premise is that where, when I go about, um, you know, my job as a teacher and it's a very exciting um, thing, but I have lots of questions that come up in my mind about me being a teacher you know, a, a new teacher, being a millennial and, 
and having sort of different ideas. And I, and I started thinking, you know, do we have a platform for millennials to talk about these things, to, to answer some of these questions that we have in mind? And, and I, you know, I, I found that there wasn't really much of a space for us to communicate and to share our opinions. And I think that was, you know, that was the main goal for, for you know, starting this podcast. So that was the reason really, was wanting and, to and- give a platform. And have you found in your conversations, what have you, what are some of the things that you've noticed from, from the conversations about these, these issues? What I've noticed is that um, millennials have their own frustrations. And that was yeah. interesting. That was really interesting um, to see. And I think the, the previous, um, I had a Dinesh, one of my university mates um, in the last podcast. It was really interesting to see that fire in him when he was talking about the frustrations that he had to go through in, in the field of human resource. So he's in HR and, and those frustrations. And then previously I had um, um, another university mate of mine and his frustrations on sort of being labeled as, you know, a lazy millennial. And it was, mm. it was really interesting to, to have that, um, that input from them. And, and another thing that came up from my discussions with both of them is that um, as millennials, we're finding that it's, it's the generation that comes before us that's giving voice to us and it's not us that's giving voice to ourselves in a sense. You know, people are always analyzing, oh, millennials are this, millennials are that. And, you know, trying to understand millennials, right. but why don't we do it? Why don't we tell you what we are and what we are like, you know? Yes, and, and yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I can fully relate. I, and I think, you know, p- part of it is, is, is also, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of, you know, what are some of like my pet peeves in that regard. And, to be honest, uh, and I, I think sort of I alluded to this earlier, is um, it, it was when I was a radio presenter on a radio station, I couldn't tell you how much joy it gave my mom. And do you know why that is? It wasn't so much that I had a job, but it wasn't so much that I had a salary. She knew what to say. She knew what to say to auntie. She knew what to say. Right. That my son works in a radio station. Right. And, for, and I realized just in that moment, by that point, I had already sort of worked five, six years, but I really didn't understand what this whole digital thing was. Okay. And, and I realized, I, I didn't know why it was important necessarily because she knows that I carved out a thing for myself. She knows that I, I can figure things out. And so, but it, it is having, uh, I guess, I, I, for me, it was like, don't you know what I do? Yeah. <laughs> like, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. that, that is, is a, such a very interesting thing because it's got, I, and it will happen to my nephew and niece where I will be, I will be asking them. So, mm-hmm. so what is it that you, you do exactly? Like, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be like exactly like my mom was to me. And I think that's like quite surreal. Just knowing that that moment is yeah. coming where I'm not sure yeah. um, where, where things are headed. And it's exciting, I guess. I mean, history always repeats itself in different ways. So I think, um, yeah, I think it, it, it I would have to reflect on this experience, I think, when I reach that age and, you know, going, saying those things and then maybe doing it, you know, being guilty of doing those things as well. It would be, you know, it would be a full sort of um, circle that I'll come around to. And I think... Pretty, do you think, I mean, just while we're on this conversation about your podcast, on your podcast, like, uh, do do you feel that, um, that there's something that's not being heard of in terms of the millennial experience or is there something that's sort of missing and and do you have a sense as to what that is? I think, um, 
I had a sense, you know, I, I reflect on myself a lot with this journey because, um, you know, there, there wasn't really, like I said, there wasn't much that I could find, you know, on the internet or anywhere really where there was, you know, millennials sharing their opinions and what they feel. So it had to be a bit of a reflective journey. But I think something that I've realized having done a few episodes is that I think what we're missing out or what is not out there is when it comes to the millennial experience, it's definitely um, sort of the feelings of millennials. I think that's not being shared in the way that um, that needs to be shared. I think, yes, we talk about what millennials are like with jobs, you know, there's tons of articles about millennials, you know, leaving after two years, you know, because they always want that constant push and that constant drive that they don't get after two years. But there isn't really much about what we feel, about what we think about things. And I think it's that emotional factor that I've um, realized is sort of, you know, that there's a bit of a gap in the market for that. Yeah, I, I, I would say I would say so, too. And, and, and you know, I think um, I think I think in, in almost, you know, when, when, when you see sort of younger people and I, and I think about younger people like Greta Thunberg, who's like, you know, just I mean, you're a, yeah. you're a teenager and you're changing yeah. the world, right? Exactly. And I always feel that, you know, millennials were sort of the bridge that allowed for that to happen. Like, you know, like, and I think that in, in that sense, you know, certainly, you know, I'm, I'm, I am more in tune with sort of all the things that are happening internally with myself. And I reflect on, was that the case necessary for the previous generation? And I think always like we sort of have these sort of marginal, um, software updates, I guess, you know, for each generation yeah, that yeah. Um, has this ability to sort of articulate and communicate yourself yeah. in a better manner. But at the same time, you know, one of the good things um, in, in, in some ways is that like as a millennial, uh, like critical thinking was like, is like an important thing, right? It's an important tool to have. I, I do wonder whether just with the advent of, you know, how, we communicate over text and you know you know being politically correct and 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 cancel culture I, I, it almost feels like that you know future generations are entering to a zone that i did not experience which was like in university you 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 could you know speak mm. have an opinion about an issue the other yeah. person in the hall would say something opposing but you could still go for 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 a meal after and and, and not yeah. be sort of blocked on Twitter because they had an opposing yeah. view or something. So it, 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 seeing that the advent of that change from mm. my generation to that is certainly been interesting for me um, yeah. because um, it, it 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 seems that it's sort of um, created some sort of a you know rapid change in, in the way social discourse takes place as well. Yeah. No, I think. Um... Well, I guess only time will tell what happens with that, with the next generation. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be fascinating to see what happens when, you know, we move on to, when we take the back step and we let the next generation. Yeah, for sure. It'll yeah. be interesting. Um, so Ezra, thank you so much uh, for your input today. I think that was a really very interesting um, episode. I think in so many ways, um, you know, with some of the insights that you gave on entrepreneurship, on millennial culture, millennial um, sort of emotions as well um, so it'll be great to have you again in the future hopefully um, and thank you so much for coming today uh, Pretty, thank you for having me on uh, I'm not sure exactly if 
anything I say is, is, is worth very much. But if, if it made some sort of sense to one person out there, then uh, this would have been a success. And uh, congratulations on, on doing this. And I know it's a lot of uh, effort and time and energy, but I think the more important thing is that clearly you're enjoying this. And I think that's a great thing that you're, you're, you're writing on. So congratulations on, on having this podcast. Thank you so much, Ezra. And um, if anyone has not heard the Ezra Zaid project, please go ahead right now um, to Spotify and to any other, I think, platforms where you can get podcasts. Have a listen to it. I, I truly enjoy listening to the Ezra Zaid project um, on so many levels. There are so many great things, uh, you know, even with the auditory experience that I get listening to the uh, podcast. Um, it's a great it's a great um, thing to learn from as well. So thank you so much, Ezra, for doing Thanks, that. Thanks, Freddie. Well. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you very much. 